It's good to be in the house of God tonight. Am I right? The Spirit of God is here already. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 25, and we'll start at verse 20. Genesis chapter 25 and verse 20. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padaram, the sister to Laban the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Verse 22. This is where we get our text here tonight. And the children struggled together within her. And she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. If it be so, why am I thus? Tonight we're going to preach that. If it be so, why am I thus? You may put your Bibles down and let's go before the Lord in prayer tonight. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We thank you, God. Lord, give me the strength to preach this message the way you want it to tonight. The way it needs to be preached, God. Lord, give the people understanding and wisdom to be able to understand this message, God. Help their hearts to be open in the place, God. In Jesus' name. Why don't you clap your hands before the Lord tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. In the passage of scripture that we read, we see Isaac and his wife, Rebekah. Rebecca gets pregnant, but she doesn't know so. The children are struggling within her, kicking her stomach, punching it. Whatever struggled means to you, that's what they were doing here. She didn't know, so she said, if it be so, why am I thus? The New International Version, the IV translation of the Bible reads like this. In verse 22, the babies jostled each other within her, and she said, why is this happening to me? Remember, she didn't know she was pregnant. Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. She went and prayed about it. You see, when good things are happening, such as babies being born, there's pain that comes with that. There's blessings in the hurting. There's blessings in that pain. Verse 23 says, And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. And the elder shall serve the younger. Jacob and Esau would be these children. And Jacob who would eventually become the father of the nation of Israel. And Esau of the nation of Edom. And the Edomites. God said, hey, you have two kids in your womb. You have two kids in your belly. The whole world will know what happens because of the pain you are feeling. Because of the pain that you're feeling, the entire world will be blessed. The entire world will feel the actions and the consequences of this one thing that's happening. If it be so, why am I thus? A couple weeks ago, I was in Bible study with Brother Stender at Brother Jerry's house. And I love going to Bible study each week. It's awesome. If you don't, if you aren't involved in Bible study at all, whether that's teaching or listening to somebody teaching you, you should really get involved. This message was born that night on a Thursday night in Brother Jerry's house. Exodus 17, 9. We were talking about Moses. We didn't go over this story, but I, my mind went to it, and this is where it came out of. 
And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. You see, Amalek in chapter 17 had been harassing the people of God, going behind the company and getting to the older people and the young children. And they were hurting them. They were prodding them. They were teasing them. And this is where we find Joshua choosing out men, choosing out an army to go fight Amalek. If we skip ahead of the story, you will see that Amalek loses the battle. But it's what's in between there that's really important tonight. The Israelites were told they were heading to the promised land. God, you told me I was going to get my blessing. I was going to go to the promised land. Why am I thus? Why am I hurting if it's going to be a blessing? There's some information that you will never get without going through pain. There's some experiences that happen when you're going to the Lord because you're hurt. You have nothing left. That's the experiences that Joshua is coming to. Can you imagine in Joshua's mind that next day, that tomorrow, as Moses called it, what went through his mind? He knew that Moses was going to go on top of the hill. But can you imagine the discouragement he felt? The man of God is backing away. He's leaving me alone to fight this on my own. When the man of God steps back, he's not really stepping back away from the fight. Can I have your help here tonight? Sir, you're going to help me in just a minute. Pastor, may come over here for a minute. He's on top of the hill. You see, he's on top of the hill. And Joshua is down here fighting. The story says that when Moses lifted up his hands, you see, lifting up your hands is a sign of worship. Lifting up your hands is a sign of prayer. He's praying to God. Moses is up there praying. His arms get tired. So he lowers his arms. And that's when Israel starts losing again. Every time he lifted up his hands in prayer and worship, Israel would start winning and conquering the enemy. Every time he lowered his hands, they would start losing. So Aaron and her went over here. And they had him sit down on a rock, on a chair. And they held up his arms. See, when the man of God lifts up his arms, there's something happening in the spirit. Because the man of God is on the first line of defense, but he's also the first line of attack. There's stuff that happens on the man of God that none of you will ever know. But he's praying for you each night. He's leading God. He's interceding for you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for your help. If it be so, why am I thus? When you begin to worship and pray, God starts to fight for you. I know some of you are hurting. Some of you are feeling the pain. But it may just be growing pains. It may be birthing pains. 
Just begin praising God. Just begin praying to God despite that pain you've been hurt, feeling. God is fighting for you, young man. God is fighting for you, young lady. Going to the story of the prodigal son. You all know the story, so I won't belabor the point. We're going to go to the end of that story. He's lost everything. He's in a pig pen feeding the pigs. He's thinking about eating the pig food. He's lost everything. He's lost his money, his friends. His family isn't around. He has nothing. He's living in a world of hurt. There's blessings in the pain. Perhaps he's afraid that if he goes home, his father won't get there in time to prevent the people from cutting off the son from his father's house. Pastors preached on this before. There's a, a tradition that if they saw a prodigal coming home, they'd run out, take a large pot, and throw it down in front of that young man or that young lady. Say, Kazaza, you are cut off from your father's house. Maybe he's scared. He doesn't want to be rejected in front of his father or anybody he loves. So he gets this plan in his mind. He decides he will go to his father's house, talk to his father and say, I'm no longer to be worthy of your son. I ran away. I backslid. So just let me be a servant. Just let me be in the church. I'll be a saint on the pew. I know I can't be used anymore because of what I've done. But young man, young lady, that's not where the story ends. The story doesn't end with the prodigal son being rejected. It ends with him being forgiven and being restored that position which he had before he left. He was still his father's son. God's, God still loves you no matter what you did. He still loves you despite that sin. Despite you walking away, he still loves you. We will come back to the story here in just a few minutes. We're going to go back to Genesis chapter 13, which is the story of Lot when he's going off towards Sodom and Gomorrah. In verse 7, and there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdsmen and thy herdsmen. For we be brethren. Hey, we're brothers. There's no reason why we should be arguing this way. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself. I pray thee from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, I will go to the right. Or if thou go to the right, I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. See, Lot chose the plain of Jordan. From a shepherd's point of view, this is the best choice. It's well watered. Has good land, good feeding ground. But you need to be careful who you hang out with. With whom you look up to. Influences are everything. 
what you see them do, say, or, and or act will affect you, whether you realize it or not. Verse 13, this is the kind of people he's about to go and hang out with, where he's about to go and make his home with, and between them. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. He's not in a good place. He's in a world of hurting, but he doesn't know that yet. He doesn't feel that pain. He doesn't feel it because sin is pleasurable for a season. But God tries to get Lot to look to him. God allowed Lot to be taken captive by five kings and then allowed Abram, Abraham now to be informed about it and go rescue Lot. Lot actually stayed with Abraham for a little bit, but he went back to Sodom and Gomorrah. Sometimes people who leave the church will come back just to see if they can feel God's presence still. They will come back just to see if they can still feel it, if they can still speak in tongues. That way they can live on the edge if need be. The people outside this church know who to come to when they have a need. Abraham knew how to pray. This church knows how to pray. We've been praying every day and we've been seeing revival. God's about to take us. God is about to take us into a place where we're about to see endless miracles, signs, and wonders. We're going to be able to pray for people and their need will be met. Skipping ahead a little bit, we find in chapter 19, the end of the story, verse 1, there came two angels to Sodom at even and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot seeing them rose up to meet them. The them there is referring to two angels. If you go back and read chapters 17 and 18, you'll find out who these angels are and why they're there. You see it from a different picture than you do in chapter 19, but we don't have time to read all of that tonight. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. See, Lot recognized these men as them being different. These men were sent by God, which is, I, which is why I believe he asked them to come to his house and to eat and spend the night there. He said, Behold, now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house. Hey, come to my house. Tarry all night. Wash your feet, and you shall rise up early and go on your ways. And, he, and they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him and entered into his house. And he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. They had dinner together. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, come past the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. All over the city, the men came, old men, young men, teenagers, little boys, they all came around and surrounded Lot's house. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. And Lot went out unto them out of the out at the door unto them and shut the door after him he quickly got out and shut the door behind him he didn't want the men to get inside see lot is desensitized to their wicked deeds he knows that they're wicked which is why he says in the next verse in 
and said, I pray unto you, brethren, do not so wickedly. He recognized what they were going to do and what they wanted to do wasn't right. He recognized it was wicked, but he doesn't leave. He gives silent approval. You see, Lot lost his morals. He was desensitized. He didn't recognize what was right and what was wrong all the time. And that's why he offered his two daughters to the men of the city. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let, I, let me, I pray you, bring them out to you and do ye to them as it is good in your eyes. Do what ye want to them. But to the, those men inside my house, don't do anything to them. For they're under my protection. And the men start getting mad. They said, stand back. We're going to deal with you worse than we are going to deal with them. And the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut to the door. The angels inside the house reached out and got Lot and pulled him back into safety. Where there's trouble, God will always bring you back if you let him. He always provides a way of escape. And the angels smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great. Everyone who was there became blind so that they wearied themselves to find the door. And the angels started talking to him. Hey, do you have any more family other than your wife and your two daughters? Do you have anybody else here in the city at all? Son-in-laws, sons, daughters, anybody? Whoever you have in the city, bring them here. Because we're going to take you out of this place where we're going to destroy it. Because the cry of this city is waxing great before the face of the Lord. The Lord has sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. The backslidden preacher tried to preach again, but because he didn't live right while he was in church, just did enough to get by. While he was out of church, he didn't do anything right. They laughed at him. They ignored his warnings. So when the morning arose, then the angels hasted Lot saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Lest you perish in the city, get out. And he lingered, and the men laid hold on his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. They took him outside the city, and it came to pass when they had brought him forth abroad that he came said escape and they came and said escape for thy life don't look back don't stay in the plain escape to the mountain lest thou be consumed and Lot said unto them oh not so my lord it's a scary place to be when angels are talking to you and you're telling them it's not going to happen behold now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight hey I'm doing all right now I'm living okay now I've got back in church I've repented I've, I'm doing okay now hast magnified thy mercy, which hath showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil will take me and I die. He's making excuses now. It's going to be hard. I recognize the world of hurt I'm in. I don't see the blessing and the pain I'm in right now. I'm hurting. I don't have anything, my money, my land, all my daughters except for the two I have with me are gone. You've taken them away from me. Behold now, this city is near to flee to, 
It's just a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city. For the which which thou hast spoken, I won't destroy the city you're going to go to. Haste thee and go there. For I cannot do anything till thou come thither. Therefore, this name of the city was called Zoar. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot came into Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire and the Lord out of, from the Lord of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and the, all the inhabitants of the cities that grew upon the earth. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Once again, you better be careful. Because what you do, what your choices, who you hang out around with won't just affect you. It'll affect everybody around you. Lot went into the city of wickedness, and he fell. His daughters fell. His wife fell. Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And the man of God got up early in the morning. He went to the church and he started praying at his usual time, talking to the Lord. He went to his normal spot in the church praying. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land of the plain. Behold, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. It was black. It was disgusting. It smelled. It came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. Lot went up at Zoar. This is sometime later. There's a gap there. He was living in the city for a while. He leaves Zoar and goes to the mountain where he was supposed to go originally. Remember, his wife is not there, so his two daughters go with him. For he feared to dwell in Zoar and dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. I'm not going to read what's left in this chapter. The Lot, Lot's daughters commit sin with their father. If you want to research it, you do that on your own time after church. The word Zoar means insignificance. Lot tried to compromise while he was in his herding. He missed the blessing he missed the opportunity that God was presenting to him. He missed it. If he had went to the mountain the first time, when Abraham had asked, what would have happened to Lot's family? Would his wife been alive still? Would his daughters have committed their sins? If he had went when the angel had told him to go to the mountain, would it have happened? I don't know. I don't know if it would have or not. It may have still all have happened the way Scripture records it. Because people will still make their own choices, but you can influence their choices. One of the morals to this story is don't compromise on your beliefs. Don't stop halfway to that breakthrough. Don't stop before you get to the mountaintop. I said we were going to come back to the story of the prodigal son. So here we are. You have been scared for a while to let go of what's holding you back. For weeks, the men of God have been preaching repentance, 
hold on. Even if it's just to the broken boards and pieces of what was once your life, just hold on. I know you're hurting. I've seen your pain. I've seen your tears. But I'm still here and I'm still God. The prodigal son was scared of rejection. Like I already said, with the practice of kazaza, you are cut off from your father's house. But let me tell you an important piece of information which I've already given you, just in case you forgot it. It didn't happen. The prodigal son was never cut off. If nobody else gets anything from this message, get this. Don't miss the opportunity God's presented to you right now. There's some people in this place who've been fighting some things no one should have to fight. You've been thinking about throwing in the towel. Maybe you even decided as soon as you turn 18, you're going to leave. That's not the will of God for your life. Some of you have even felt what the will of God is for your life. But you don't like it, so you've been trying to run away. Trying to ignore the call. I know I'm a young man, but listen to this young preacher for just a minute. I'm not just blowing steam or blowing smoke. This is the message for you that God has given to me black and white. I'm not going to disguise it anything right now. God has reached for you over and over, and he will keep on reaching. What you've been fighting can't be broken and defeated right here, right now. Let go of your pride, whatever has hold, been holding you back. You don't want to be involved in any, with any ministry in the church, but God's called you to a higher purpose, a higher calling. Submit yourself to him. And blessings will come your way. Miracles will come your way like you've never seen in your life. I'm almost done. Musicians, you can come. I don't know who you are tonight. I don't know where you are. But if you need to pray, you come to this altar. And you pray your heart out if necessary. I don't care if you've been on the platform at all. If you're a drummer, singer, piano player, if you preached behind this pulpit, I don't care who you are. Your soul is more important. It's more important than you preaching. It's more important than you singing or playing piano or another instrument. While the musicians and singers are coming, I'm going to read a poem, or just a little portion of it. It's called The Hound of Heaven by Francis Thompson. I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways of my own mind. And in the midst of tears, I hid from him. Don't try to run from God. You've been making your life miserable. Some people here have been feeling birthing pains, growing pains. Others, the call of God for their life. All that comes with revival, with opening up your heart to God. Let's stand. I don't want anyone to miss this opportunity tonight. I don't know who you are or where you are. I've already said that. God doesn't tell me that usually. In fact, he's never told me that. But the man of God knows who you are. God knows who you are. He loves you, young man. He loves you, young lady. Don't miss this calling. Don't miss this opportunity to get healed. You see, this altar has been used for a long time. I could take you to places in this altar among 
the entire sanctuary, even on this platform where experiences with the men of God have changed my life. I've been hurt before. I've had some of my best friends leave this church before and backslide. But you know what? God is still good. There was blessings that happened. There were some young people who left. And I don't know if they had stayed. I don't know if I would be where I am today. I don't know if I would play any music right now. I don't know if I'd play piano or drums at all. If some of those young people had stayed. Because those chances would have been taken. I wouldn't have known what talents God has given me. There's opportunities here tonight. Young men, your calling is right here. God is calling you to a place of prayer before anything else. Before you get on this platform, before you teach a Bible study, he's calling you to an altar. You can come and pray whenever you like. Just don't miss this opportunity. There's some people here who've been called for intercessors. Voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Don't stop and so are. Go to the mountain, young man. Go to the mountain, young lady. Every single lie that tells.